The Psychology of Money Series, Chapter 1. No One's Crazy. Have you ever thought you were crazy? I mean, when it comes to money and finances. I know I have. But that's because I'm a certain type of risk taker. I tend not to spend on luxury items, but I do tend to take more risk on entrepreneurial things. The mindset I developed goes all the way back to childhood. And you're the same. And so is that person sitting next to you that you swear is crazy for doing certain things and thinking certain ways. For the most part, save for some truly dishonest people, no one, in fact, is really crazy when it comes to money. As Morgan Housel says in the beginning of the chapter, your personal experiences with money make up maybe one in 100 millionth of what's happened in the world, but maybe 80% of how you think the world works. People from different generations, raised by different parents who earned different incomes and held different values, in different parts of the world, born into different economies, experiencing different job markets with different incentives and different degrees of luck, learn very different lessons. We all go through life with a set of views based on very different experiences. This might be a time to ease up, <clears throat> take a breath, consider employing a little bit of grace for yourself and others. I'm going to paraphrase some of Housel's findings as we talk about this, and we'll keep it simple. Economists find that people's lifetime investment decisions are heavily anchored to the experiences those investors have had in their own generation, especially experiences early in their adult life. Individual investors' willingness to bear risk depends on personal history, not intelligence or education or sophistication, just the dumb luck of when and where you were born. The differences in how people have experienced money are not small, even among those you might think are pretty similar. Two groups of people separated by their birth year go through life with a completely different view on how the stock market works, for example, or inflation, or the job market and unemployment. <clears throat> no one should be expected to respond to financial information, influences, and sources of advice in the same way. A view about money that one group of people thinks is outrageous can make perfect sense to another. Each person has their own unique mental model of how the world and money works, and each decision people make with money feels justified by plugging into this mental model. And of course, we are often misinformed. We can have incomplete information, bad math, or be persuaded by marketing. Sometimes people can have no idea whatsoever what they're doing and why and can terribly misjudge actions and consequences. But in the moment, their decisions make sense to them because they checked all the boxes and they've told a story to themselves, a story that's been shaped by their experiences. This is why, for example, people buy lottery tickets. And by a large degree, most lottery tickets are purchased by the lowest income households. To what degree? About four times that of the highest income groups. In fact, Americans spend more on lottery tickets than, than movies, video games, music, sports events, and books combined. The lowest income households spend about $400 a year on lottery tickets, but 40% of households can't come up with $400 in an emergency. The safety net is being blown. And we all know that once a safety net is blown, there's a snowball effect and people get behind and have to catch up. Lottery tickets have a one in millions chance of winning. And of course, it's not just lottery tickets, but it's new material items, it's luxury items, it's life experiences that people spend money on when they don't have sufficient reserves. 
it's easier sometimes to spend for self-soothing and self-medicating or, or for the thrill of a chance when the idea of saving seems out of reach because of living paycheck to paycheck. As Housel says, the idea of, quote, what you're doing seems crazy, but I kind of understand why you're doing it. It uncovers the root of many of our financial decisions. To paraphrase, most people don't make financial decisions with a spreadsheet or through math in an unemotional state. They make them at the dinner table or on the fly or in a company meeting in situations where personal history, ego, pride, personal views of the world, odd incentives and marketing are all mixed together into a narrative. This is one of the key reasons why we focus on making unemotional decisions on the investment management side. As one of our key investment research partners says, hoping and guessing are not tools of risk management. Math is. Before we're too hard on ourselves, though, consider that the modern foundations of money as we handle it, the history of personal saving, investing, cash flow, retirement planning, they're all relatively recent. Our brains and behavior have not necessarily adapted and certainly haven't adapted when it comes to perceiving and understanding risk. The concept, for example, for being entitled to a retirement is only a few generations old. Most people used to work until they die. That was the expectation. When Social Security started in 1935, the average life expectancy combined for men and women was 60. It didn't reach 65 until 1945. Women, of course, tended to live longer than men, as they do, and Social Security was more of a widower's pension than a retirement cash cow. It wasn't until the 1980s that Social Security checks started to exceed $1,000 per month on average, adjusted for inflation. <clears throat> and it takes a while to build a nest egg. It's also a myth that everyone used to have a private pension. In 1975, only a quarter of people over age 65 had a pension, and of those, the pension only provided an average of about 15% of the household income. In the 1980s, the idea, dream, vision of a full retirement came to fruition, and it made its way into, or perhaps in many ways because of, the marketing of big financial institutions. The idea taking hold then and carrying through today is that the individual, you, me, would save and invest their way toward their own individual retirement freedom. The 401k didn't even exist until 1978, and the Roth IRA was new as of 1998. We're all new to this, and something doesn't square, does it? No, we have undue stress and anxiety. What we're thinking we ought to expect <clears throat> to idealize likely even some unreachable things. We're already prone to not doing what we should about money, and now we have these visions of life ahead and how we compare ourselves to arbitrary things. Money is fiat currency. The value of it changes, and by forces beyond your control. It's a necessary thing. It puts food on the table. It pays the bills. It allows us to exchange it for assets that we feel are worthy of investment. Chances are, whether we like it or not, we're going to be in a new era of digital currency and with the efficiency of it comes new challenges. The point is money changes, it shifts and we have to stay aware. But money in and of itself is just a tool. It's a thing that is supposed to represent the exchange of energy that you put into work for its return. I personally believe that huge piles of cash stored away is a disservice and that it's not being invested or put into flow whereby more money can be made, people can start businesses and be funded, etc. Money should not be the cause of losing your closest relationships. If this is the case, then one or both parties might want to rediscover and reprioritize their list of what they value most. The bottom line is you're not crazy. 
that person sitting next to you, as much as you want to believe it, probably isn't crazy either. We're all new to this, and we have outsized expectations that were set for us, not by us. Give yourself some grace. Give a little then to your spouse, your partner, parent, your child. None of us were equipped with the tools. I'll say that again. None of us were properly equipped with the tools. But together, we're going to get better. If you like this content, and we hope that you do, please subscribe and give us a rating. For more info on who we are, please visit followthemission.com. For other timely and insightful content, connect and follow us on LinkedIn. You can also find that link easily on our website, again, at followthemission.com. This is not a financial advice. We don't know your individual or organizational situation. Consult a professional if you're looking for guidance. This podcast is produced by Mission Advisory Group, an independent registered investment advisor. Please visit our website for all disclosures.